Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Eric Lear, alongside Chris Cook and Troy Murray. Just like last week, we're coming to you from sunny California. Blackhawks just put the wraps on a four-game, 10-day road trip. We're going to break that down for you shortly. And it was a memorable trip for Adam Boquist. He was called up, joined the team last week in L.A., scored his first career goal in the NHL on Sunday. I caught up with a rookie in San Jose. That and more coming up on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazer's got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. Troy, this is a pretty long trip, 10-day trip, but two off days in California from a player perspective. Are they happy? Are they as happy as we are to get some sunshine here, or is this a long taxing trip? It's a long trip, and I I, I think that you know, as a former player, you, you like a couple of days off on the road and, and especially have a chance to do some some bonding with your teammates. But when you look at it, the time between the, the game against the Nashville Predators and Saturday night, um, you've got three full days in, in between those games, and then you've got three and four nights. So it gets a little tough at the tail end of it. Um, it seems like a longer trip than it normally would for just four games, but there's good and there's bad involved in all of those type of road trips but the good thing is you know you you get an opportunity to hang with your players your teammates a little bit more the bad thing is it extends out four games on the road how much is it a benefit you always hear it's it's good to be on the road and to have that bonding uh, opportunity early in the season it's important and i I think especially with the makeup of of what the blackhawks have there's a lot of new teammates involved Uh, you know for so many years you basically had a real core group of guys that that knew each other very well now you've got some older guys you've got some younger guys and a good opportunity for the younger guys to kind of get caught up at what you what you were experiencing at the NHL level, an opportunity for those players to see how you prepare yourself on the road um, and an opportunity for those players now in Chicago who were the core group of guys for so many years that were young and single, uh, now with families and kids, you know, a chance for them to bond a little bit more with some of the younger guys that you probably won't see that much in Chicago because of the family life situation. Some of the stars have stepped up on this trip, especially over the weekend in Southern California. Uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves each have four points on the trip and had some uh, some big ones that got up some points over the weekend. I think it was a huge confidence builder, especially for Jonathan Taves, who's had a lot of chances early on this season, hitting a lot of posts, missing some nets. Uh, and you could tell it was really weighing on him. He was very frustrated. You know, Patrick Kane's a different animal. He thinks he can score every time he touches the puck, but uh, I really think it was very important for Taves to get that goal uh, in overtime, and then he set up the goal for Patrick Kane. So you get those two guys going, you know, everybody talks about, you know, what's going on in third and fourth lines, but you need those guys to get going to be the, you play your best hockey. So that's the encouraging part. Um, you know, we saw some things that weren't as encouraging. Uh, you know, we're recording this right after the loss to the Sharks, and it's really a shame because, you know, they, they didn't do well in Nashville, and then you know, did okay in L.A., but then they, they beat Anaheim, and everybody's in a great mood thinking, okay, they can get some points here. They can make this a, a worthwhile trip and then play against the Sharks and really didn't uh, get off the – get any many shots on goal. And, and Troy, it just seemed to me that, um, you know, the, the Sharks kind of were on them from Jump Street. 
I looked at this game as an opportunity for the Blackhawks to build off what they did against the Anaheim Ducks, as you mentioned, winning in, in overtime. And, and coming into a team that was struggling to score goals, had lost five in a row, had lost seven of their last eight games, a team that was really fragile. Um, I, I think that, you know, for the Blackhawks, first and foremost, and one of the keys in my mind and what I was talking about during the broadcast was for them to really come out and force the issue early on in the game. And, and that just unfortunately did not happen. They weren't able to build off what they did uh, against the Ducks and winning in overtime. Always great to see Kane and Taves hooking up uh, for a game winner. You've seen that for so many years, you know, here with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then all of a sudden, you just can't find anything going uh, in the first period against the Sharks. You, you only muster up three goals and really give a team that's struggling an opportunity to take a breather. And I think when you look at the goaltending situation, San Jose, their numbers are way down. The save percentage is not good. I think that their confidence was, was in a position where you could really take advantage of it. And it's a goaltender's dream to come into a game where you know that uh, you, you've struggled a little bit. The numbers are not there. Your confidence is probably pretty low. And only faced three shots. None of those were dangerous. So the Blackhawks didn't do what they needed to do coming off that exciting overtime win against the Ducks coming into tonight's game. And that was a Sharks team that had lost five in a row at that point. And uh, Patrick Kane kind of summed it up, I think, pretty well in the locker room, saying that it was kind of one, it's been one step forward, two steps back. Is that is that the way you guys have kind of seen this with without being able to find that consistency? Absolutely, especially when you think that okay, now the offense is going, and now they're going to get something going. And then, you know, I think Troy mentioned three shots in the first period. They actually had some zone time. No, but there was a lot of passing. There was a lot of a lot of I, movement, I, but know, nothing I, was going I, on. There. I agree with you, Chris. I said after the first period that wasn't a bad period. Right. I mean, they only had three shots on goal. I mean, it looked really lopsided, but they did have some good offensive zone time. They didn't play that bad in, in their own end of the ice. It it looked like they were getting outplayed, but there wasn't high quality scoring chances. Maybe one or two that Leonard made saves on. But it wasn't a bad period. You just had to attack the net. You can spend as much time as you want in the offensive zone, but sooner or later you have to attack the net. And they just didn't all game long have that net front presence that you were looking for, and it didn't attack the net even though they did have puck possession. I think something else that was that really jumped out is the Blackhawks were dumping the puck in, but then they weren't retreating the puck. I and mean, as Jonathan Taves pointed out afterwards, said, you know, we're dumping it in and we're, we're sending it right to their goaltender and then they're moving the puck out. So it's just kind of a, a one-and-done thing and you just can't get the offense going when it's happening. Too many times I, I saw, you know, the, the Blackhawks just too spread out in all areas of the ice. The defense weren't following up. I didn't think the gap control in the game was very good. Um, the Sharks had a lot of speed through the neutral zone. The Blackhawks didn't. And a lot of times I thought when the pucks were dumped in, it wasn't dumped in with with the purpose. And you have to have that. Goaltenders are too good in, in today's game that if you put it behind the net, they're going to make a play. They're extra defensemen back there. And you always talk about just chipping it in behind the defenseman and then keeping your legs moving. Sometimes you draw a penalty, but at least you get in on the forecheck. It was pretty much, in my mind, an easy night for the Sharks as far as how they exited the zone and how clean they played in their own end of the ice compared to what was going on in the Blackhawks' end. When I look at a highlight from that one, uh, uh, always look for interesting stats or cool uh, historical numbers. Duncan Keith scored his 99th career goal. Uh, he's one away from becoming the fourth Blackhawks defenseman to reach triple digits. You, you know the other three? Uh, well, Doug Wilson, I'm guessing. Was that's, one a, that's an easy one. 225 goals for Doug Wilson. Uh, Bob Murray. Uh, Murray. Bob Murray's number okay. two. Pierre Plot. Number three would be Brent Seabrook. I almost said that. but that's, And then Duncan yeah. Keith jumps in there. So pretty, uh, pretty good list to I be on. I did know that. 
After <laughs> thanks, thanks for not I just forgot it, but I did know that. <laughs> it is late. We've been on the road for uh, quite a while, so nice to see uh, Duncan uh, put one in the back of the net there. Um, shift gears a little bit to some of the younger guys. We've seen a little bit more of, of Kirby Doc now on this trip. Uh, Adam Boquist a little bit, starting with um, with Kirby. Troy looking at, at, at a centerman, a uh, young player coming into the league. What have your what's your assessment been of his play, particularly in the, in the last four on this road trip? You know, this game was was tough. I mean, you you basically have to take this game out of the equation because it just wasn't good all around for anybody, and I don't think anybody stood out or anybody was in, in a position to succeed tonight. There's a lot of good things you see at a Kirby's game. He's a big kid. He protects the puck well. He's got to be stronger on his feet, and he'll get stronger as he understands how the NHL game is played and what he needs to do away from the rink to to improve his strength and conditioning. But he's got great hands. He protects the puck. He makes little plays that you see on the ice that you don't normally see from an 18-year-old kid. So there's a lot of upside to Kirby's game. You love what he brings to the table. You love the fact that he's six foot four. And he's only going to get better. He's not playing center as, as it stands right now. He's being uh, sheltered a little bit. It's tough for a, a young kid to come in and play in the NHL at a center position because there's so many responsibilities. So they're breaking him in slowly in this game tonight. He only played a little bit over 10 minutes. Uh, I think he's done a lot of good things, and there's just a, a lot of potential that you see in his game. Troy, you mentioned that he needs to be stronger. That's clear, I think, when he goes into the corners. He's not coming out with the puck. He's losing a lot of puck battles um, in the corners. I think it's just he doesn't have the bulk. You know, and you're playing against men now. You're not playing against teenagers. And I think that's kind of what he's finding out, that he does need to get stronger. And you mentioned off the ice, he needs to work out and, and get the nutrition going. But to me, that's the biggest area he needs to improve when he's going into those corners. He's got the long reach, he's got the big body, but he's not staying on his feet. There's a lot of comparisons to him and a guy like Ryan Getzlaff, um, who's at this point, I think, six foot three. We just played the Ducks the other night, six foot three, 220 pounds. You know, Kirby's going to play at probably 215, 220 once he kind of fills out. Um, but that, that is one thing. You, as a young player, and this is hard to kind of understand, the young players have no idea how hard you have to train um, to get in the NHL and then to stay in the NHL and how you have to improve each and every year to be stronger and, and improve your game in different ways. It's very tough to, to gain strength during the season because it's a taxing uh, long season with all the travel and stuff so you try and maintain next season's next year's off season for Kirby Doc is going to be critical to, critical to his you know progression in the right direction he's a he's a big player as I mentioned six four uh, just a little bit under 200 pounds but as it seems he's a little he's a light 200 pounds yeah. uh, once he fills out and gets a little bit stronger on the lower core areas of his body he's going to be able to protect the puck like a Ryan Getzlaff and once he, he understands how he can play the game protect the puck win those battles in the corner you know the sky's the limit and some excitement came when uh, Adam Boquist got called up to the Blackhawks, made his NHL debut in Southern California, got his first career goal in Anaheim just a few days ago uh, on Sunday. Uh, tough to, to be in the league at 18, like we talked about with Kirby Doc. Uh, not, not, not much older for Adam Boquist at 19 as a, a buddy, a couple teenagers now, but uh, Adam gets his first career goal. How uh, important is it to, to have him get some confidence like that early in his NHL tenure? Again, I think you take the game against the Ducks out of the equation. Uh, tough to evaluate anybody in, in the in the game tonight. Um, the overwhelming forecheck for San Jose put a lot of pressure on everybody, and I don't think anybody stood out or, or excelled in any areas. 
But in the two games prior to that, you saw a lot of good things. I mean, he moves the puck well. He's another guy that has to get stronger. If you're going to play defense and you're going to have to battle in corners defensively, you're going to have to get some stronger core strength into your game. But that'll evolve as, as he gets a little bit older. But what you noticed in his game is when he did get the puck, he makes good passes, tape-to-tape -tape passes. He has composure, and he understands how much time he has to make plays. A lot of players in the NHL, even experienced players, don't understand how much time they have and make a play quicker than they have to. He's a guy that slows the game down in his mind to make the right decision. He's not afraid to make a move to make the right play. He'll hold on to it for the right, right amount of time. And as, as he gets more experience in the, at the NHL level, you'll, you'll see him be a lot more confident in all areas of his game. And once he understands how the game is played, once he understands the battles, the positioning, who he's playing against, uh, I think the you know the upside for a, a guy like Adam Boquist is, is tremendous because the skill level is is there. There's no doubt about that. Offensively, it looks great already. I mean, we saw that in training camp. We saw that in practice camp. We saw that in Traverse City. So he's going to be there offensively. So I'm, I'm been trying to keep an eye on how well he's playing defensively, and I think he's done very well. Right? Yeah, I mean, he, he reads he reads yeah. the play well. You know, there's been a lot of players in the NHL who have been very good defensively that weren't physical defensemen, you know, having a good stick. And you don't have to have that brutal strength that, you know, the brute strength that you used to have in, in the past, a big, you know, defenseman who would battle in front of the net. The game's changed. It's, it's quickness. It's taking away time and space. It's using good sticks, poking pucks away. And that's what he does. He reads the game well. He, he just has to get a little bit stronger. So when you do have those physical battles, that, that he can start winning those on a more regular basis. But his mind is, is really good as far as how he reads the play at his own end. Patrick Kane said, like we just talked about, it's been one step forward, two steps back for the team, it seems. Is that something that is you kind of maybe have to expect with a couple teenagers in the lineup as they kind of develop too, that, that it's not going to be a, a linear upward progression, that there are going to be some peaks and valleys to, to the development of these two young guys? Yeah, not just those two guys, but the other, you know, you got some you know, veteran defensemen who are new to the team, some forwards who are new to the team. There was a lot of turnover. Um, and you still got Jeremy Carlton, who I think is still learning on the job. It says, you know, I think the this is going to run on the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of taking over the Blackhawks job from Joe Quenville. So there's a learning curve there as well. I think this team, you know, it doesn't really have an identity yet. It doesn't know what it can do. Uh, you know, I think that they, they want to score goals. They've got some talent there, but they also know they need to be better defensively than they were last year. The goaltending situation is completely different than it was last year. So it's a team searching for its identity. And I think when you've got that, you're going to have games where you look great against Anaheim, you're going to have games where you don't look so great against San Jose and Nashville. But the key is to find some consistency there and not get too down on what's happening there. I mean, Jonathan Tibbs, I've seen him just had a roller coaster of emotions this on this trip. You know, after the Nashville game, he looked as despondent as I've seen him in a long time. And then after Anaheim, things are great, you know. And he's a guy who's kind of needs to be even keel for that team. He's a leader. Same thing with Patrick Keene. He looks a little upset that he's not getting his, his uh, chances. But these are veteran guys who need to pull through this. And you just need a couple of wins on this homestand now while you got to come back and play Vancouver, another tough team. Listen, the schedule doesn't get much easier here. Look at the teams that they're playing coming up. Um, this is a team that's really got to get its act together. And Jeremy Carlton said today, heading into this game tonight, that this is big for us. You know, we don't want to get buried in this division. And that's what's happening right now, Troy. This was a big game against the Ducks and and you had you or, uh, against the Sharks, and you really had an opportunity um, to put a Sharks team down 
in a, in a real hurtful way. Six games under 500 coming into it. You win this game. There's seven games under. You just look at the raw numbers of where you have to be at the end of the season to be in a playoff position. You're going to be in the mid-90s last year. At 90, I think, was pretty low. For the Hawks, you win this game. You're one game under the 500 mark, so you're treading water with some big games coming up here. So this was a, a disappointing effort. And... You know, when Patrick Kane's talking about one step forward, a couple step backs, and I agree with you, Chris, there, there's an identity crisis right now for this team. Are they an offensive team? Are they a hardworking team? Are they, uh, do, they, do they have the defensive ability to shut down teams and, and win games low scoring? They're looking for that consistency in their game, and they haven't found it yet. And I don't look at some of these younger players and put the, the burden or the responsibility on them. I, I look at the inconsistency in the veteran players yep. uh, this season. You mentioned Jonathan Taves a couple points in the first 11 games, a little bit better here in the last couple games. But you expect more from them after, uh, coming off career years. Taves had a career year. Kane had a career year. Alex Dabrinkit, he's only been in the league three years, but he, he had a 41-goal campaign last year. Dylan Strome, 51 points in 58 games. Andrew Shaw, another guy. Uh, Andrew Shaw coming back into the fold. The guys on the defensive side at Seabrook and Keith, I think that you you need those guys to set the tone and the consistency, and you haven't seen it from the veteran players. And until you get it from the veteran players, you you like the energy and excitement that you get from the younger players, but you don't want to put them in a position where you're, you're putting all the pressure on them to set the tone the older players have had a lot of inconsistency in their game, and until those guys get um, things cleaned up as far as what they need to do and how they need to play uh, under Jeremy Colleton, I, I think that you're going to find a lot of these ups and downs. You have saw some really good things in short spurts from this team, good periods, not good 60 minutes, one good game, not so much the next game. And, and they have to find that identity. They have to find that consistency as, as the veteran group of guys. Chris, you mentioned the schedule coming up and, and how difficult uh, it appears. I want to touch on that uh, in just a moment. But first, let's hear from Adam Boquist. It's been a few days now since you got your first career goal here in the National Hockey League. Is it been able to kind of sink in a little bit? And, and what are your feelings now looking back on that moment? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, took a moment yesterday, but... I don't want to think too much about it because, uh, yeah, I want to live like right now, you know, in the moment. So I'm just uh, looking for what's coming up, and uh, of course, it's it's a dream come true for me to score the first goal. But yeah, uh, I hope I can score some more goals. I think you might have a couple more here in the future. Uh, was your when you got back to the locker room? Was your phone blowing up? Did you have a bunch of text messages, family, friends? Who was reaching out to you after after that game? Uh, yeah, uh, it's actually a night in Sweden when, we, when the game was over, but some some guys stayed up and watched the game and texted out to me, So, and my mom and dad uh, called me almost right away, so it was nice to see the guys is happy for me, so it was good. So who did you want to talk to first when you got to back to the room and you got your phone out? Was it mom, dad, brother? Who who did you first, first reach out to? Uh I think it was my my dad, yeah, my mom and dad, uh, and then my brother, yeah, so family. So it's been uh, a little while here in the NHL. You go from London last year up to the AHL, now to the NHL. What's been the biggest difference, you know, from from playing in the OHL to the AHL to the NHL? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, how how good players are in the NHL and how 
how quick they are, how fast the game is now. You know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big difference from the AHL. Uh, so, yeah, but I think, yeah, that's what I say. Good defense makes good offense. So I'm just gonna try, try to yeah play good and help the team adopt and help help the team to win. So you're not the only teenager in this locker room. You've got uh, Kirby Doc, who was just drafted last year, third overall, eight, uh, 18 years old, already making an impact on the team. What's your relationship been like uh, with Kirby so far? Yeah, uh, we we had a training camp, dev, dev, dev camp together, and then it Travis hit and then training camp. So uh, he's a great guy. He's a great uh, kid. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, yeah. Everyone knows what he can do out there, and uh, he's just yeah. He's funny to be around and. Yeah, he's he's probably not quiet so much, but it's good to have a guy who can talk. What's uh, been the best part about having kind of getting up here and having a, a guy like him around um, to maybe hang out with on the road and kind of get acclimated a little bit with? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really good. Uh, same with Nylander. Uh, we we both are kind of young, you know. Uh, you joke around a little more uh, than the older guys probably, but. It's nice to have some guys around your age you can, yeah, be be more yourself with and, uh, yeah, go and shopping and stuff with. So it's good to have them around. You guys talked about maybe what the future could hold. If you guys are all young, talented players, about maybe building up uh, something here to together and and hopefully having some success uh, as a team here. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, that's what I say. I, I just live in the moment right now, but. Uh, of course, uh, in the future, I want to be here. Uh, I want to be a Blackhawks, yeah, for a long time. And uh, I think those guys, uh, it's pretty good to be a Blackhawks as well. So it's good to have them in the team. I know you talked a lot about Duncan, Keith, and the, the impact that he's made. But having him here, having guys like Kane and Taves and, and Corey Crawford, guys who have been established, uh, Brent Seabrook in this league and, and won championships, What is what's your focus on making sure that you get a lot from those guys who have had such great experiences in the league already. Uh, yeah, uh, it's they have a, a lot of things that can can learn me. You know, I'm young and I want to learn, so I'm just uh, everything that tell me like to do or what not to do. So I'm just taking it in and try to do the the best I can out of it. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of cups in this room, so it's it's pretty big to be around those guys uh, you know every day see how they take care of the body and everything so it's it's real cool that was adam boquist his blackhawks have a pretty challenging schedule coming up uh, no real breaks here as they just get back from from a long 10-day trip to to nashville and to, to california get a home game against vancouver then it's right back on the road to pittsburgh then back home against toronto and another road trip uh, pretty tough teams out to, to Vegas and Nashville. It just gets tougher from that for the rest of the month. Uh, so as you kind of look ahead and, and we're looking back on what happened over the weekend and knowing the, the talent that is coming up here for the Blackhawks, how important is it to bounce back and, and build off maybe that Anaheim game from a, a couple games ago and, and get this thing uh, on the right track? It's real important. I mean, Jeremy Calton's already talking about we want to tr- get up to the level where we're not getting buried here in the Central Division in the Western Conference, and it's getting to that point. You look at, you look at the standings, and there are no easy games, right? And this is a team, if you get that far down, you're, just, you're battling uphill all season long. We saw that last year where they, they started off you know, poorly, and then they make a coaching change, and then there's a transitional period where they're not playing well, and then they start playing well. 
and they were playing great in that second half, but they couldn't make up that ground. And you don't want to be in that same position as you did that as you had last year. The St. Louis Blues and what they did last year was incredible, and very few teams are able to do that. There was a really underachieving position that St. Louis was in last year, um, and it took them a while to readjust after making a coaching change because at the beginning of the season they were picked as one of the top teams in the Central Division. There was potential there. They made some big adjustments in their in their roster, uh, picked up Ryan O'Reilly, which is a big trade. They weren't afraid to make some major moves and they were definitely underachieving for a team that starts to fall under the 500 mark. When you look at even at this point, you look at, you know, the Thanksgiving cutoff line where everybody says mm-hmm. if you're in the playoffs, you're out. If you're, or if you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out. St. Louis was an anomaly last year. And don't expect teams to re- repeat what they did even to get into the postseason, let alone win the Stanley Cup. So it's important to keep your head above water right now. And if you're the Blackhawks, there are no easy games. This is not a team at this point like it was when it was winning Stanley Cups that could turn it on within the 60 minutes, turn it on when they needed to do, put a good streak together. Um, they need to have an understanding, and the underlying effect is, is we have to come and we have to compete as hard as we can for 60 minutes and, and take it from there. They need to have a baseline that's much better than what we've seen up to this point, even to put them, themselves into the equation to match some of these teams that they've seen that are the, the elite teams in the NHL, the Nashville Predators, in a game that, that wasn't really close. And, you know, they know that they needed to be a lot better. But when you're looking at the schedule, there are no easy games. And this is not a team that can even look at a team like Los Angeles or a team like San Jose losing five in a row coming into the game tonight that they played and say that this is a game we should win. There is no should win games for the Blackhawks right now. And if they have that mentality, they're in trouble. They have to have that mentality that that we need to work as hard as we can. And that goes from your captain all the way down to your goaltender. Everybody needs to be brought into the equation to have that baseline effort for 60 minutes as a minimum each and every game. Well, that's it for this edition of Blackhawks Insider. Special thanks to Chris Cook and Troy Murray for staying up late here on the West Coast. I'm Eric Lear. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taze drive.